0: God is doing something with young people. God is stirring them up. We know very well that Jesus chose young adults as his 12 disciples. Uh, Very risky, but Christ knew what he was doing. And kind of for me, we don't want to miss what God's doing. And I want to pray over you and trust God that you, the forerunners, are going to open the way for just so many more to come through. So it's not wait and see. It's Father, use me. It's Father, thank you for the anointing that is mine. I want to run with what you're giving me. I want to run with the vision. I want to run. I want to lift up my sword and I want to make a difference. But I want to wait. I want to go now. You see, this is what's happened is the pioneers raise up leaders who can maintain what they're doing. But we are saying we need pioneers to be raised up. Those who are full of adventure. Those who have a blaze in their eyes that glint that we can do this because God is with us. So I want to pray over you. Because you represent the generations coming through to take this thing and to go further to take the baton. or What's the, the baton? Baton. The baton and go further. Baton is the other thing you swing in the air. But you want to take the baton and go further. So, can you raise your hands, everybody here that kind of identifies with that? Because anointing is poured out. You know what the qualifying factor is? I love Jesus Christ. And I'm going to live my life that way. I'm going to be obedient to what He's called me to do. And so, Father, now, in the name of Jesus, we trust You. We trust You, Lord, for these anointings, for these callings, for these very clear directives from the Spirit of God. And we believe that we are going to see like never before, Father, this groundswell of young people coming in, groundswell of people, Lord, laying their lives down for the sake of the cross, not waiting to get X, Y, and Z, waiting for a wife or waiting for waiting for the house or the degree but making ourselves available right now so anoint them now anoint them Father put vision in their heart show them cities. show them regions show them people groups show them neighborhoods that they need to go to give them the strategy Father we trust you for that pour out your anointing on their lives right now pour out your you need to cry out to God here I am Lord here I am Lord here I am send me thank you for the anointing that is on my life here I am Lord, here I am Lord, break my heart for the lost, break my heart, made to fish, commissioned to go, every single one of us Father, thank you for what you're doing, thank you Lord.
1: As we are praying for these young people, I just felt a charge by God. Throughout history in this nation, we've sent our sons and daughters to fight our wars. And I really believe that unfortunately the church is going to be sending this next generation to fight wars that we weren't willing to fight. And I really believe that charge is not just for these young people up there who are going to fight those fights, it's for us. How dare we send them into fights that they are not equipped to fight? And I want to charge us, everyone back there from 18 and a half and above we need to be charged to equip these saints for the works of service to be able to fight the fights that we were not willing to fight. And so if you believe that and you're willing to be charged with that and accept that charge, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord tonight. So Jesus, we stand here tonight and we are thankful for these sons and daughters that you have put in our trust. And Lord, I pray there is an urgency in this hour to raise them up as saints who will fight the good fight who will be equipped to do the work that you have called them to, to to be equipped to fight the fights that the generations before weren't willing to fight, the generations of their parents weren't willing to fight and their grandparents. And I say by the power and the name of Jesus that we will do this under the authority of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we ask for you to blow, for you to blow and for you to commission and for you to equip and and for you to fill in every gap that we might have missed, God we say yes to this charge we say yes we will we will commit ourselves to equip this generation to fight the good fight we would we will say yes to the commission to equip this generation to know what spiritual warfare is and to not get caught up in the cultural wars but to know what it means to fight the kingdom wars that you are calling us to fight and we pray this in the mighty name of jesus and if you believe that saints let me hear you say yes and
2: amen to share the same word and so he's asked me to share it and I just wanna say it is an absolute privilege to be led by these young people. It was an absolute privilege to sit under Joel's ministry this morning. And the word I felt was to honor those of you who are pastor's kids. I'd like you to raise your hands right now, both of them. There is a different battle that you guys have to fight. It's a battle that's public because you are watched constantly by so many people. And I just felt like God wanted to honor you tonight. That he sees, that he knows, and he wants to say thank you. And so I just want to pray over you. Please extend your hands, receive his blessing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, my God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for these men and women. Thank you for the price that they have paid. Thank you for the privilege. Both a price and a privilege. I just pray your blessing. I pray your provision, but I particularly want to pray your protection. Would you guard them, Lord? Would you place your arms around them, Lord? Father, in those moments, I pray, and they all know the moments that I'm talking about. I just ask, Father, for a grace. For an understanding, for a discernment, for a wisdom, for a peace to fill them. And Lord, we thank them. We honor them. We ask for your blessing on them tonight, Lord. I pray, Father that they would see dreams come true. I pray, Father, that we would hear testimony. I pray, Father, that, Lord, the provision they're trusting for, you would give them. I just, I just sense that, that you need to put that out there to the Lord tonight. And we're going to hear testimonies of what he's done and the, and the blessing and the provision he's brought. As you, as you stand up as you risk it again and again, as you trust Him, your wholehearted trust, I believe He's going to show you amazing and beautiful things and bring the answers to your prayers. And so we ask you for that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
0: It's important we... Just allow God to do what he's doing. I just love the, the depth. Uh, I love the clarity. We heard about that early on, that God brings clarity. Joseph, would you like to come and stand here with me? I need a uh, a prop. <laughs> uh, Rosie, I don't know if you can make your way here, but I'm going to start with it. Is God definitely anoints for me those to kind of break through. Um, God anoints those to kind of just lead from the front. It's it's an anointing. It's not they better than or less than or anything. It's just what God is doing by the power of His Spirit. Um, I like the part about Paul visiting the churches and then he pulls, there we go, (laughs) and Paul pulls Timothy out of the church at Lystra and he introduces him to the nations. And I kind of feel like, God is using you as a forerunner. I feel we're going to pray for those who feel they're going to open up the way into other areas. In North Carolina is a starting point. Uh, I just feel like God's going to use you as a forerunner. You know, don't settle. Don't try and do it better than the previous guy, or you know, kind of think you're going to impress him by filling a building or anything. Do what God wants you to do. But I feel there's this kind of ice-breaking anointing on your lives. It's to punch through. Others have said it's not possible but I believe it's so. There's some dreams in your heart. There's some discussions you've had. Don't let those just become pipe dreams or somewhere far out there. It's definitely God speaking to you. And I do believe that He's going to give you the kind of know-how and everything to do that. But don't let kind of anything squash that flame or that fire. You know, not, not even the administration of the local church. Get some good people around you quickly because we need some pioneering out there. We really do. And then I feel if you've got a country on your heart, as we've been praying today, let's be specific and stand up for that. Come and stand on the platform with me. Say, I've got a people group or a country that I want to stand up for. And more than likely, I'm going to end up there. There we go. I feel these steps of faith are vitally important. Not just dudes. We need ladies as well who have some courage in them. There we go. (laughs) Please come and stand here and say, it's that that I'm standing here for. I want to see the gospel open to China. I want to see the gospel open to Indonesia. I want to see the gospel open too. Come and stand here and let's pray and let's trust God together. Yeah, A- Africa. <laughs> there you go. Johannesburg, okay, taken. Uh, any other countries, we're happy for that. <laughs> Unless we get specific with God and we kind of take some steps forward in obedience... Because now you can't wait to, you know, have had these 10. We heard about the American dream. That's not kingdom. We want to get busy with God's thing. And God fast tracks in an incredible way. One day Timothy was with his mom and his grandmother in church. The next year he was on the road with Paul. How about that?
1: <laughs>
0: That's what we want to see is counting for the nations in that way. And so we thank you for the, I believe there's still a few more that need to come up here. This is no pressure. This isn't an altar call. Uh, we're not going to write the country's name down. <laughs> it's just stir your hearts. Yes. Father, break my heart for that group. Just a people group, even within your own nation. Come and stand here and so say we want to see them reached. Another city, another state, wherever it is. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> we need, oh, there's no more drummers left now. <laughs> so we get those who pioneer, who have a heart to see something of this take place. I remember as a newly saved young guy, I said, I'm going to plant inner city. Never knew what church planting meant. Never knew anything except that lost people needed to be saved and saved people needed to be discipled. God filled in the blanks for me, including a partnership with this team. So Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Maybe just reach your hands forward and thank you for this group, Father. Thank you for the desire and the passion for the nations. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We want to love that same world with your love, Lord. And I thank you for the obedience here. At an early age already, there's a passion and a desire to see our lives count for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you for what you're doing in Joe and Rosie's life. And that, Father, we're going to see them set an example as they break through. And in this group here, others, and perhaps even others out, not even on this little platform, Father, they're going to make a difference as well. And we pray for the provision. We pray for the, for the real heart of pioneering to be in them. Not to compromise. Let nothing steal this vision from them, Lord. Don't let the day-to-day reduce them to mediocrity, Father. We pray they be set free in Jesus' name to dream that impossible dream, to go out there and to make that difference that you called them to. And we pray for a team around them, and we pray that out of their local churches, because we sent from local church, there would be a celebration of this new life. Anoint them accordingly, Father. Thank you for them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let's applaud our King, our Lord, for what He is doing. Thank you, Lord.
3: Awesome, man. Wonderful. Well, go plant your churches now, okay? Go do that and uh, Take your nations. It's awesome, man. It's great. right, everybody. Wow. So, (laughs) you know, I I just want to address us older folks for the the moment, if I can, and and say that we, we believe biblically that we're to value all people. All generations are valuable to God. God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God cares for all generations. We don't want to be a youth people or an older people. We want to be all of God's people. And so please understand that we value all generations. But we also realize that God has entrusted us with generations, younger generations, to walk in the bigness of what God intended. If we're going to have a legacy, there's a lot of talk about legacy. Have you heard about legacy? And I've never thought about legacy till I hit this recent age of mine. And then suddenly I thought, legacy, what is my legacy? And what... What I realized is that it, legacy is what's, it, it has to do with your past. When you're gone, what will your legacy be? But if you're going to have a true kingdom legacy, then you've got to release the next generation to walk in their destiny in order for you to have a legacy. Destiny has to do with the future. Legacy has to do with your past. And, and we want to make sure we have kingdom legacies where we are, not just remembering the days we've had, but we're empowering generations to run with destiny so we can walk in that legacy, have that kingdom legacy. And when I was handed this team 18 years ago, I felt the Lord challenged me, if you want to build for the next generation, you've got to build with the next generation. It's not we have our season, we have our time, and then we handball it to them. We have this together. So when it's their time to run, we don't step back; we step sideways, and they run and run and run. And that's not a cliche. That's biblical. That's kingdom. And so we've got to be intentional. I love the challenge that's come tonight, and it's they know more valuable to God than older people in this room. But we realize everybody has equal place. But there's a there's a generation God's raising up that we have to be cheering and encouraging and investing in and making room for and not trying to get them to be like us. Get them to be who God's called them to be. And so I trust you sense that tonight. It's gone very different, obviously. The words, people have got scriptures and words. And we're grateful for all that God's saying. But certainly God broke in and said, I want to highlight these people for a moment. But it's all for the King. And it's all for the kingdom. Are you with me? So, so please, if you can hear from me, we're about all God's people, everything. We want to value older people. We have to do all that we can and should to raise up this next generation. But we also want to value and recognize the need for older people and value your walk and your stability and your encouragement. And we want to work hand in hand together for the kingdom, right? So we're not a youth movement. We're not an older movement. We're a Jesus people who make room for all of God's people. And, but we've got to be intentional. I think that's coming out of this. It's not like, God, you've got this. No, God's given us the responsibility to commission, raise up, uh, and, uh, and make disciples, and raise up a generation to run with their own battles, not to have to fight our battles and theirs. And I'm grateful for those who fought the battles before me. I'm standing on the shoulders of those who fought their battles. And can I say, they didn't just fight them, they won their battles so I can fight the battles I've been called to fight and God willing win them so the next generation can walk in their own battles and win them, amen. So does it make sense if you're out there and say, I didn't get picked, nor did I, just so you know, right? I'm just trying to tell us, this is a good thing. Don't make the youth your focus, but understand God will call out generations because God is about all generations. All right, amen. All right, thanks everybody. Let's take our seats. Appreciate you very much, thanks to the musicians and the leaders, all the words that have come. All right, so, how many many of you can say who've been here for the week that God has spoken to you? Put your hand up if God has spoken to you. Isn't that wonderful? Look at that. People, if you've come to hear, you would have heard. Maybe maybe you didn't hear what you wanted to hear, but we heard what God wanted us to hear. Amen. And that's a good thing. And I I love the bigness of these moments. I I love everybody being together. I, I just love this. But the reality is that after this evening, we're all going back to where we came from, which is great, but at times we're going back to what was. And what I want to challenge us is if God's done some things, God says some things, then we can't go back the same. And it's not, let's be different and try to be different. Let's just go and be and do what God said to do. And in these moments, there's this bigness and the corporateness. I love the corporateness of what we do there. Not corporate, as in the, the, the group, the people. I love the corporate words that have come, words for all of us. But in the corporateness of this, there's an individual response. We can't all respond the same. We don't all have the same response. There's an individual response to the thing that God has said. And so I trust that we will be faithful as individuals to the corporate words that have come because they have ramifications not just for our own lives but for people around us. And if God's put us together, which I truly believe He has, that means our inheritance is linked together. Your breakthrough, our breakthrough. My breakthrough, your breakthrough. Your influence and impact, and I really believe that. So let's commit to being faithful and respond individually to the things God has said. Let's go be it, let's go and do it. And uh, we're super excited about this next season and all that God has for us. And there's been a great response. We've often said these equips are essential to be together for the few days, but we don't know what really happens till we go back. And I think that the ramifications of this week will continue for weeks, months, and hopefully years. It's not what happens here, it's what happens from here that makes this an equip and not just another conference. And so... I hope you're hearing these things. They're great things. I mean, I'm sure other things you've hoped to hear. But God has been very, very specific. God has spoken. God has shown us. God's revealed more of Himself. He's brought us back to things that matter. And now we get to go and be it and go and do it. And I think that's the joy of what we've been doing together. So well done to everyone here who's been involved. I, I, I'm going to hand over to one of the guys who will land us in a preach. But before I get him up to preach, I don't want to try and do it at the end because who knows how we end. nothing scripted yet. We just, we trust God can do what He wants to do. I'd hate to get up and try and do this after God's done something else. So I do want to honor, first and foremost, just the guys who've helped make this happen. And so can I ask you to stand up if you've been involved from this church. If you've been involved in this church, just stand up, please. Those who are part of making this happen. We are incredibly, incredibly grateful to you guys. Thank you so much for serving us and hosting us, and we are so grateful. We really, really do appreciate just the Anthem Church here just for hosting us, for lavishing us with their ble- You know, coffees were, we, they did not charge coffee. You know, they, when they ask you, hey, feel free to give. Most people see that as a tip. They don't see that as a payment. They never ask for one dime. I said, Steve, surely you've got to start charging for the coffee because I know these people. We drink coffee. This is going to sink you. And he said, no, we want to be a blessing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, And again, it's not about the coffee. It's just the heart of openness. We just want to serve. We're blessed. We haven't paid them anything. They've just said, hey, we want to host you. Come on in. And so we really want to honor you guys for that. It's been a phenomenal week together. And we just are so grateful for our friendship and partnership, and thank you for living it out, and not just living it out with such a great attitude. They, these people have surfed tiredly. They, at least they're honest and said they're tired, and tomorrow they're going to sleep. So I like their honesty, but they're still smiling. Isn't that amazing? And they're not making us like feel, can you get out of the building? So I'm sure that's coming in about a half an hour, but, but I really want to thank you for that. And then I also want to, again, just thank all the international people who've come from wherever you've come. We are incredibly grateful. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Means a lot to us that you would come and hang out with us, and so we're grateful. Hey, appreciate the partnership globally and uh, your investment into our nation. It's been great to have you here. And then obviously to you Americans who've come from wherever you've come, I want to say to you thank you so much for giving us your time and setting aside time and to travel here and And to be with us. And so let's just thank the Americans. Can we do that? Well done. It's been great. I've loved it. We've loved being with you guys. We really have. And just thank you to this team that I'm privileged to lead. I want to thank you guys for your ministry and the involvement and owning it with us. So well done. All right. Are you ready? Stevie, come on out, buddy. I think there's a little bit of a hometown adv- advantage here, but uh, rent a crowd, and here they are. But, but uh, yeah, you know what? You've done such a good job that we've asked... We, we've, would you mind hosting this equip next year again? Sure. Thank you. There you go. So, <laughs> put you on the stage, on the spotlight. We actually are going to be having our equip. We're going to announce it at the end, the dates, but we're going to have a North American equip. So Canadians are going to join us, and hopefully some of the guys in Mexico going to have a chair in Chicago again next year. And so, well done. You did a great job. We're going to need a bu- bigger building, so that's the next challenge. Hopefully, it can extend it in the next year, 12 months. <laughs> no pressure, but God can do it. But Steve, as you know, Steve and Debs, they, are, uh, they lead this church. They uh, lead the eldership that leads this church, and they've been on our team for many years. Great friends, great people, and a great gift. Steve's a great gift, I believe, to the church. And uh, it was kind of him or I who was going to land, and the good news for you is he's going to land this meeting, he's going to preach. And I, I want to tell you this, I believe this. this God wants him to, to, to share this evening. No pressure on him, pressure on God for God to do what God said he was going to do. And so, it's a joy for me to introduce to you, most of you would know him, but this is Steve Sudworth, and I trust you'll open your ears to hear what God has to say as we go from this place. And so, Steve, go for it, my buddy. It's thanks, great, 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 great to have you preach today. Thank you very much.
4: Thank you. Thanks, Ty. And just, again, just a massive honor and privilege to be able to share. Um, 18 years ago, I never thought that this would be a dream fulfilled, um, standing in a church that the Lord has provided and with so many friends around us from around The nations. It is just a a massive, massive privilege. Um, I do want to thank a couple of people. Tyron has already thanked so many people, um, but just a couple of people, uh, um, you know, by name. I think it's important just to mention them. Firstly, to the Anthem Church family, I know most of you didn't stand, but we're going to celebrate on Sunday after church. We're going to have a big party. More about that on Sunday, so come prepared. Come with empty tummies, because we're going to celebrate... um, on, uh, on Sunday, but um, I just want to mention um, the interns who uh, from around the nations who've just done an incredible job. And then um, and then also some folks who've just jumped in. There's uh, Mickey from, from Detroit and Jonathan from Australia and Christine from Denver and Chloe from LA. Just a huge, huge thanks. But I think there are four people in particular that Debs and I just wanted to honor publicly and I'm just gonna ask uh, these four folks if they can just make their way forward. Abby, who served and led the children's ministry. Uh, He's done an incredible job. She's our children's ministry director and has just done an absolutely phenomenal job. Jess, if you can come down wherever you are. And then also, if Aiden and Eloise can come down as well. So just a quick thanks to uh, all of you, Aiden and Eloise, I hope you're coming down real quick, but uh, just a huge thank you. You guys have uh, just blown us away with your servant-heartedness and your big capacity, and I do have one bit of bad news for, the, for us here at Anthem Church, is that very soon this is going to become our norm on a Sunday, so prepare your hearts, we are trusting to press into, into that, so... Thanks everyone. Awesome. Oh, <laughs> Thanks Jess. All right. If you have a Bible, Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And as I say that, half the room got nervous and half the room got really excited. So <laughs> Revelation chapter 4 is where we're going to be tonight. Heavenly Father, we are just so overwhelmed by all that you have done over these last uh, two and a bit days. It's it's felt so, so short, it's felt so, so brief, it's felt like we have just, at the same time, just been in your presence forever, Lord God. It's this just incredible contrast of emotions and feelings and, and things that you have spoken and things that you have done, and, and, and Lord God, we, we are just so aware, Lord God, of the significance of this time, the significance of this moment, Lord God, in our nation's history. We, we thank you, Lord God, that, that the most... Important thing happening on planet Earth is the gathering of your your people in local churches across the world, and we thank you that that is the most significant thing happening in this nation, Lord God, your people, sons and daughters of the Lord Most High, with hearts just... Uh, yielded and submitted and surrendered to Jesus and full of the Holy Spirit, gathering together in local churches, across cities, across towns, across villages. We thank you, Lord God, that that it is through the local church that you are displaying your, your multifaceted, your manifold wisdom and glory, not just to the nations, but to principalities and to powers. We thank you, Lord, that this is something of cosmic importance, not just of international importance. And so, Lord God, we we are just so in awe of of our smallness and your incredible greatness, Lord God. And, and the privilege that you have, have put your, your hand on us, you have, you have placed your hand upon us and you have chosen us for a time such as this. Lord God, I, I, I just pray that throughout these all that we have heard and learnt and seen, Lord God, would you would you uh, as we end tonight Lord God, would you, would you bring to the surface, spark again, some of those key moments from the last two days, so that as we walk out of these doors, as we climb on airplanes and into cars and go home, Lord God, may there not be a period at the end of tonight. Lord God, may it just be a comma, and, so, and, and the story is still to be continued, Lord God. We thank you, and Holy Spirit, we, we thank you. We don't have to welcome you. We thank you that you are here already Lord Lord God and and we just ask that you would move just so specifically and so uniquely so powerfully in uh, among us uh, this evening touching hearts breathing life releasing gifting and anointing and grace and most of all lifting our heads and our eyes to King Jesus Jesus we we we, we honor you, we glorify you, we praise you, be honored in all that we do from this moment forward. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. My heart tonight, my desire tonight, my hope, my prayer tonight is, is to honor God, obviously, but I trust as this is the final uh, session of what has been just a phenomenal few days together, I hope to be, to be honoring the things that God has been saying and doing. Um, because as has already been said tonight, what is most important is not just the things we've heard and the things we've seen, as amazing as that is, but it's what are we going to do with it. And Isaiah chapter 6 has come up a lot this, this in the last few days. And it's been on my heart for this week, uh, the three very significant moments in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah saw the Lord, Isaiah heard the Lord, and then Isaiah was commissioned and sent by the Lord. And, and, And I want that to be on the forefront of our hearts and minds as we navigate our way through Revelation chapter four and five and, and this is a text that I, I believe God wants to use tonight i 've just been listening so so carefully to the things that God has been saying and it 's been remarkable. Uh, 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 this well maybe not so remarkable because God's at it, God's doing it, but just this wonderful sense of of, of diversity of gifting, but unity of heart, and, and this 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 intentionality to to lean into and to and to surrender at the same time to our Lord and King Jesus, and, and so I, I just want to ask you: be listening out. We don't have time to dive into much, but be listening out for for threads and themes that have come up this week, and and I believe that's going to be the Spirit of God, just reminding you of things that you need to to, to make note of as you go from this place, and then tomorrow morning and the, the weeks and months from now, as leadership teams get together, as families get together, as folks spend time in the presence of the Lord, the key question you need to be asking is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to respond? Um, it was in May 2004 that Debs and I and our two girls arrived on these, uh, in, this, in this amazing nation. And we, we, we came on what is known as a religious worker visa. At the time, it was a visa that allowed us to stay for three years. And then after three years, we had to have it renewed. And as I was the primary visa holder, it was my visa that was the one that needed to be renewed. And we were working with an immigration attorney at the time, and his strategy, his, his sense was, the best way forward was for me to leave the country, we, we chose Canada, we flew to Canada, uh, uh, went to the U.S. Embassy in Ottawa to be interviewed in the hope of the visa being renewed. Uh, But he said to me that there was this uh, possibility that if the visa was denied, I would have no way of getting back into the country. And so my family would be left back in the States, and we'd have to figure things out. But obviously, full of faith and, and absolutely convinced of the plan and purpose of God that God had called us, well, I flew out on a, on a Sunday night and arrived in Ottawa on a Monday morning and met the immigration attorney, and together we went off to the U.S. Embassy, and the interview went fine. The problem was, they don't tell you whether the visa had been approved, You go away, and you have a sleepless night on the Monday night, and you are told to return at 12 o'clock at the security gates at the U.S. Embassy, at which point you will be issued your passport, and then you flick through the pages to figure out whether you got the visa or not. Um, Just a a really kind of heart-wrenching process. But I got there as quickly as I could. I was third in line. Uh, There were two people before me. Uh, 12 o'clock arrived. The security guard walked out with this collection of passports, person one gave his name, issued the passport, there was a smile on his face, he obviously got the visa, Uh, person two had the same reaction, it was my turn, I said to the security guard, my name is Sudworth, Steve Sudworth, he looked through the the collection of passports, he paused for a moment, Uh, he put that collection of passports down, he went into his office, came out with another collection of passports, and couldn't find my passport there either. So he said to me, just take a moment, uh, uh, just wait here, and he was on the phone uh, to someone inside. Yes, yes, okay, I'll send him right in. He puts the phone down, Mr. Sudworth, there's a problem, they want to see you inside. And my heart just sank, and so I was led into what was then at the time an empty U.S. embassy, led into a room with no windows, uh, told to wait until someone would come to me, and For 45 minutes to an hour, I faced the very real possibility that my life would not be lived in the U.S., and as clear and as certain and as absolutely sure of the promises of God that we were, we were sure that God had spoken. We were certain that God uh, had called us, so much so that we sold up everything to come here in 2004 for that moment, for those 45 minutes, I have to be honest, my heart sank. I lost faith, and I just began to weep. I get, began to weep at the, at the thought of God's promises not coming to pass. And perhaps you've been in a similar situation. Perhaps you've come here this week, looking back over the last few years, and what seemed so clear, and what seemed so certain, and what seemed so, so, so obvious for so many years over the last few might have gotten murky might have gotten unclear, might be unsure. You've, you've come wondering whether the promises of God are actually as sure and as certain as you once thought they were. And maybe your response was to weep as well. Today, what we're gonna do is look at a passage in Scripture in Revelation 4 and 5, where John had a very similar reaction, and he wept too. Now, if you want... Well... I'm standing here today, 15 years later, so everything... I mean, I thought that was obvious. Uh, (laughs) They misplaced my passport. They just just lost my passport. I love the fact that I'd built up so much tension in the room (laughs) that you had to ask me the question. Mission accomplished. If you... If you attended James's breakout session on preaching, I'm sure he shared about the importance of building tension. But in Revelation chapter 1, in the first four verses, we focus so much on the rest of the book of Revelation. But honestly, in Revelation chapter 1, first four verses, I think are some of the most critical verses in understanding the book of Revelation because it describes exactly what the book of Revelation is. And it tells us that it's a prophecy, it tells us that it is a letter. It tells us that it is most importantly, most importantly, not just a testimony or a prophecy or a letter, but it is a revelation. And depending on your translation, some translations say it is a revelation from Jesus, which is absolutely true because it is Jesus giving the revelation of what is happening. But also most importantly, some translations say it is a revelation of Jesus, it's a, that is the primary purpose of the book of Revelation, to open our eyes to the truth of, of who Jesus is. We make the mistake of thinking the book is about beasts and barcodes or harlots and, or horsemen or, or trumpets or some timeline of the, of the end of the world. But, but friends, we need to focus on one fact and one fact alone, that the book of Revelation is about Jesus who is seated on the throne And will reign for all eternity. Jesus is Lord, and his will will prevail. Now we're gonna jump in at verse 1 of Revelation chapter 4, and John writes After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And Marcus helped us understand uh, yesterday that, that what happened just before in Revelation chapter 3 was the Laodiceans were rebuked by Jesus, but also given this incredible invitation to come through a door that he was knocking and invited into a place of incredible worship and fellowship. And the only thing separating Jesus from these lazy Laodiceans was a closed door that he was knocking on consistently and patiently trusting and hoping and desiring that they would respond. I stand at the door and knock. And I don't want to build a theology around this, but the question has to be asked, did they respond? And I suspect they did, because the very next verse, which is verse one of chapter four, tells us that after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And so i put it to you, the Laodiceans responded to the knocking of the Lord on their hearts, and the question that we have to ask is, ourselves is are you going to respond to the knocking of the, of, the, of the Lord on the door of your heart this week? What has the Lord been saying to you and what are you going to do about it? And the voice I, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And so John sees this open door uh, into heaven. He sees this open door into God's throne room, and he hears Jesus saying, come up, come up here. I want to show you the throne room of God. And friends, I want to put it to you that this is an absolutely stunning picture of what corporate worship looks like, whether that happens on a Sunday or at a prayer gathering or what we've enjoyed this entire week. We, we, we often come to Sunday gatherings or times like this and we say, we, we say something like, Lord, may, may, may heaven come down to me. But, friends, as I, I can't remember who said it, uh, um, worship is not about me. Worship is not about us. Worship is about Jesus, not just first and foremost, but always. Worship is always about Him and in God's goodness. He pours out words and grace and anointings and giftings and so on and so forth. But it is always first and foremost about Jesus. We don't, we don't come on a Sunday, Lord, may your presence come down. God's presence is here when the gathering of believers happens. Friends, on a Sunday, what, what, what should take place is, is the worship team with the elders and with some of you bringing uh, uh, scriptures or songs or prophetic words, causing us together to look up and peer through the open door of heaven and begin to see the glory of God in the throne room. And that's exactly what is happening here. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And then John begins to describe this incredible scene that he begins to see. And this this is picture language. It it sometimes kind of doesn't really make logical sense, but that's not the point. He's painting this amazing picture of what he sees. speaks about an emerald rainbow and the thunder and lightning of the glory of God. And, and 24 elders robed in, in, in white robes, crowned with crowns. And we're not going to dive into what that means. I, I would put it to you that it speaks of the, the fullness of the redeemed people of God. The, the, all the old covenant redeemed people and new covenant redeemed people of God. Uh, with crowns on their heads, sitting on their own thrones. And, and around them, four living creatures. One with the face of a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a man representing all living creatures circling the throne. And friends, the remarkable thing that John tells us is whenever the living creatures worship, which is always, these elders, the redeemed people of God, fall at the feet of Jesus and remove their crowns. Friends, sometimes we fall at the feet of Jesus because the anointing of God has hit us. But sometimes we need to choose to fall at the feet of, of Jesus, because he alone is worthy. But then in verse six, I want you to look at verse six. I, I was intrigued by this, and I, and I feel like this might speak to some of us here tonight. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. We've just uh, finished a series at our church uh, teaching through the gospel of Mark. And there was a time where we learned together from Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 6 about storms. What it feels like and what Jesus does when we are in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the boat, in the middle of a storm. I'm sure we all know what that feels like. And what we learned was that Jesus alone, has the authority to either calm every storm or walk on the wave or the waves of every storm you and I face. Sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he walks on the waves of the storm and brings us through it. It's not for me to say what he wants to do. He does one of the two things, but in both instances, he always reveals something of himself. In Mark chapter 6, there's this very interesting verse. The scene is that the disciples are on the, in the boats in the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is up on the mountain praying. And it says, shortly before dawn. I love that. The light is beginning to break from the darkness of night. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. It's an interesting choice of words. He, he went out to them. He was about to pass them by. But if you study that verse, you, 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 you begin to discover that Mark intentionally chose that phrase, about to pass them by, because it was the, exactly the same phrase that is used in Exodus 33 and Exodus 34, when God passes by Moses and reveals his glory to him. Moses cries out to God. He says, God, show me your glory. And we know what God does. He puts him in the cleft of a rock, and he says, my goodness will pass you by. And then he begins to proclaim his name, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, and so on. The point being, when God passes us by, he reveals his, his, very, his, his very self. And so friends, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake, when the disciples feel all alone, Jesus doesn't pass them by as in, I just want to, I'm off somewhere else, I need to, be. no, he's revealing himself. He could have pulled them up on top of the mountain, In fact, he does that in in Mark chapter 9. But there's something about a storm. There's something specific about a crisis moment that God uses to reveal something about himself that ordinary circumstances wouldn't. And so I want to say to you, if you are here this evening, if you've been here this week and you are in the midst of a storm, can I encourage you, open your eyes because Jesus is revealing himself to you. And that's why the sea at Jesus's feet is always as smooth as glass. So we're going to jump forward to Matthew uh, to Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 just for the sake of time. Then I saw, John says, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's God the Father, in the right hand of him who sat on the throne A scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. So, so John notices that there is one who is seated on the throne, God the Father, as I said, and he's he's holding a scroll with writing on the front and back, meaning it is it's a very comprehensive uh, 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 scroll. It's there's a lot of information on it, but it's sealed with seven seals. Now, if, you were to, if we were to study a little further in the book of Revelation, beyond chapter 5, we, we would discover that on the scroll is God's detailed plans and purposes for the world and for the rule and reign of His kingdom to come. Plans for judgment. Plans for judgment and the eradication of evil and injustice. God's plans to overthrow Satan and in doing so, to defeat death and sickness and sin but also God's plan for blessing and God's plan for redemption to reward those who are faithful and to renew all things but friends the scroll is sealed it's sealed with seven seals meaning it's comprehensively sealed it's sealed only for one person to open in verse 2 of revelation 5 this mighty powerful angel, in a voice like thunder, asks the question, who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? This angel doesn't pull his little kind of angel friend aside and, do you know anyone who might be worthy? No. (laughs) He stands before thousands upon thousands of angels He stands before all of creation and all of the people of God and he booms out this question, is there anyone worthy to execute on the purposes of God? And he's met with deafening silence. But no one, no one in heaven, no one here, no one on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. The question is asked, who who is worthy to initiate and execute on the plan and purposes of God? To bring about the the, the reality of the experience of God's kingdom, the reign and rule of God's kingdom. To bring the the entire world's history into completion. And, And all of creation holds its collective breath. And there's no one who was found worthy, and friends with a horror far worse than the one I experienced for those 45 minutes in that room in Ottawa. And a horror far worse than anything you have experienced, for a moment, John faced the reality of a world without Jesus Christ. Verse four: I wept, and I wept. Because no one was found worthy to open the scrolls or to look inside. Friends, if those if those seven seals are not open, the scroll can't be unraveled, and then God's plan and purpose for judgment and for redemption can't be executed. And then weeping is the only appropriate is the only appropriate response. We live, and John lived, with the conviction that God has committed Himself. To bring about the redemption of the earth and all things. To bring about judgment and to bring about redemption of everything. Otherwise, the universe is pointless, friends. Otherwise, our lives are hopeless. Otherwise, every atrocity committed in history, every atrocity committed to you or to me will have the final say. No wonder John weeps. But then look at verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. In other words, I I know something, John. I know something that you don't. Do not weep. See, look, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. There will be redemption because the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David has overcome. I want to take a moment to just talk through those two Old Testament references. And I want to do so by using this game, guess who? I think most parents probably know what the game is all about. You get 24 cards and you choose one and then through a process of asking questions and through a series of elimination is your, is your person, you know, a man or a woman? Do they wear glasses? Do they have brown hair? What, whatever. Slowly, one by one, each person is eliminated until one person is revealed. And, and in some way, God is playing this, 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 this kind of divine, infinite game of guess who, as he patiently and persistently and specifically reveals who the Messiah is, who is worthy to open the scrolls. It starts in Genesis 3 when when God reveals the coming Messiah who is who is born of Eve, who, who is a seed of Eve and through suffering and through his own pain will destroy Satan. And so a couple of cards are turned down and it becomes clearer who the Messiah is. And then in Genesis chapter 12, we, we hear that this, this seed of Eve, this, this, this Messiah that has been prophesied about, actually comes from the lineage of Abraham. More specifically, it comes not just from Abraham, but from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Interestingly, Isaac and Jacob are younger sons. And more is revealed about the coming Messiah. And then we read in Genesis, the very end of Genesis, when... Um, Jacob begins to prophesy over his sons. And rather interestingly, he doesn't prophesy this over his favorite son, Joseph, but over Judah, he says, there is a lion-like figure that will come one day to redeem the world. Then millennia pass before we get to understand this seed of David, this root of David, what what, what that is all about. Isaiah chapter 11 speaks speaks of that. It tells us that the that that, some, that that the roots of Jesse, that's David's father. The roots of of Jesse, will through through him, will come this Messiah who, who will who will be able to bring about such a, a wholeness and peace and redemption to the world. And then eventually, in Matthew chapter one, verse one, Jesus finally reveals who the messiah is. And he says in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, This is the genealogy of Jesus. I think it was Steve Barr who said this morning there is power even in the genealogies. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the messiah, the son of David, in other words, the root of David. And the son of Abraham, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so friends, Revelation 5 verse 5 is actually the cry of delight because behold, look, there is one, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who has triumphed. And and, and so John is, I want you to picture John sitting on the edge of his seat, desperate to get a, a vision of this triumphant, roaring lion, who has come to destroy everything and bring about peace. And he turns. And in verse 6, it tells us, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the, and the elders. Friends, this is what is most glorious and shocking about the gospel. Death is defeated, and the world is redeemed. But what is most shocking is that it comes through a lamb who has been slain. The, the, the message of the gospel is that there is victory and redemption, but victory and redemption through death and through suffering. And through humility, Jesus overcame. Jesus triumphed and was raised the the all-conquering victorious king, but he did so through death. And friends, the good news of the gospel is this. That's the cross we are called to pick up. That's the pearl of great price that we are called to give up everything for. You wanna discover life? You want to discover supernatural resurrection life. Here's the key. You need to die. You need to lay yourself down. You need to give up everything before the throne of the one who is worthy. And friends, this is what, this is what the disciples so struggled with. We, we heard a number of times from Matthew 16 when, when Jesus is revealing himself and and makes and, and, and Peter has a revelation of who Jesus is. But, but Mark's gospel has a very interesting take. Jesus asked the disciples in Mark 8, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And, and Peter answered, as we know, you are the Messiah. But, but we know he's not the king the disciples thought he was going to be. And then in verse 31, it says, And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And the disciples had heard Jesus reference himself as the Son of Man. It was one of his most favorite terms to describe himself. The Son of Man is a reference back to Daniel chapter 7 where there is this triumphant kind of a king who who comes before the Father, the Son of Man, and, and receives kind of a crown and a kingdom. And the disciples were, yes, we want to serve. We want to follow the Son of Man. But this is the first time that the Son of Man is linked with the Son of Suffering. The Son of Suffering that is described in Isaiah chapter 53, who is despised, who's rejected, who's familiar with pain, who's pierced for our sins and crushed for our iniquities, and who's oppressed and afflicted. And it's no wonder in in, in Mark chapter eight that, that although Jesus spoke plainly about this, Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And the question has to be asked, what, what happened with Peter where, where one moment he was able to so clearly de- uh, declare Jesus rightly so as the Messiah, and a few moments later get it completely wrong? And I want to suggest three things that I think are very applicable to us in the day and age in which we live. Three things that I, th- three things that I think Peter got wrong. Peter misunderstood the moment. Firstly, it was because of Peter's worldview. It was the lens through which he sees everything. And the lens through which Peter saw the Messiah was that this Messiah was gonna be this all-conquering, triumphant king. Secondly, I think there was Peter's own desire mixed up in this view of Jesus. You see, he was Jesus' right-hand man. And he knew that if Jesus overthrew Rome and came in triumphantly, he would be sitting at his right hand. Do you remember the disciples actually argued about that a few chapters later? And then thirdly, I think, quite simply, Peter just misread or misunderstood the Scriptures. And I want to say, friends, this is, not a, this is not an accusation, and this is not meant to, in any way, you know, it's meant to challenge us. I'm going to stop apologizing. This is meant to challenge us, what I'm about to say. Because, friends, I think we are not immune from making those mistakes, We're not immune from seeing Jesus through our own worldview, through our own cultural lens, seeing Jesus in the context of a Western, and in the case of most people here, an American perspective. And that's often how we find ourselves looking at Jesus. Secondly, I want to say we have our own personal interests involved. We want to see Jesus the way we want to see Jesus because it's the way we want to receive from Jesus things that we are trusting for. That's how Jesus becomes nothing more than a life or relationship coach, or a financial advisor, or a therapist, or one who rescues us, or one who heals us. And yes, Jesus does rescue us, and Jesus does heal us, and Jesus does give us relationship perspective, and not perspective, gives us relationship input. But friends, he is far bigger than that. Jesus is Lord of all who deserves our lives to be laid down. And thirdly, I want to say, none of us here, myself included, read Scripture absolutely perfectly. We all have our bias that we've got to be aware of. And and I honestly think, in my humble opinion, this is the biggest challenge facing America today. Followers of Jesus Christ, forming and shaping a view of Jesus that fits their image, rather than realizing we are created in His. And the way we know it, friends, is because Jesus starts to look a little like us. He starts to have our theological convictions. He starts to, we start to think that He would probably vote for the political party that we would vote for. He, has, he carries our social concerns. And He probably would support the football team that we would support if He was a football fan. James, Florida. He wouldn't support Florida, unfortunately. (laughs) Three things. Three things that we can do. Three things that we can do. Firstly, we need to recognize our blindness. We need to recognize our blindness, friends, and this takes humility. It it, it requires requires facing the facts that we are not all knowing, only God is. Paul writes, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 13, we see in part. Therefore, we know in part. We don't know all things. So, firstly, friends, we need to recognize our blindness. Secondly, we need to read the scriptures and the gospel, and especially what I would say the gospels. We need to read this book. And when we come across those those difficult texts, that's not the time to back away. That's the time to lean into that discomfort and to pray, Jesus, reveal yourself to me through the Word of God. And then thirdly, I would say, we need to rely on each other. That's why there is such beauty and power in the local church and in local churches partnering together. Friends, as much as I'm saying this for individuals, I'm saying this for churches too. We need one another. We we have biases. We have uh, different perspectives, and together we get to see Jesus more fully and more holy. All right, we're nearly finished. Let's get back to Revelation chapter five. We're nearly done. Probably another five to eight minutes. Probably another ten minutes, but we're nearly done. And so John begins to describe this incredible scene that becomes clear to to all that the lamb is the triumphant lion. And it's, I think Revelation 5 is the scene of the ascension of Jesus seen from heaven's perspective. And so let's quickly read. Verse 7, he went, Jesus, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne just as we, as we read this, can I just ask, just to allow your imagination to, to picture what we're about to read, the one, the one alone who is worthy to take the scroll from the Father's hand, to break the seals, and to begin to execute on the promises of God. Watching all of this are the four creatures and the 24 elders, and as he, as he takes the, the, the scroll, they, they all fall down before the Lamb. And it tells us that each of them are holding a harp. Now, I, I want to say, if there are any harp players, harpists, I, I don't want to offend. But, I, but personally, I find a harp just a little bit kind of melancholic. And, you know, it's, it's I, I haven't heard many happy songs played on a harp. It's kind of like a pan flute. You know, pan flutes, I'm not a pan flute. The, but, in middle eastern in middle eastern biblical times th- this is this you need to hear this the harp is actually closer to a banjo and have you ever heard a melancholic song played on a banjo <laughs> never that's the point This is not a moment of sadness and melancholy. This is a moment of joy and jubilation and celebration because there is one who has been found who is worthy to take the scroll from the Father and to begin to break the seals. And in verse nine, it tells us they sang a new song. And friends, they're not just singing a song to the one who was on the throne. They begin to sing to the one who was worthy to take the scroll. And in my estimation, I might be wrong, but I think this is the first time that a worship song is sung to Jesus. And this is what they sing. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Joel read this. Numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands time ten thousands. Just, Joel, I would say it's even more than the number. I would say it's Gazillions. Or what is ever even greater than gazillions. Just as far as the eye can see, there's the throne. And around the throne are living creatures. And around the living creatures are the elders. And around the elders are are these, these angels as far as the eye can see. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, And wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne, the Father, and to the Lamb, the Son, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the redeemed, the the, the elders, the redeemed people of God fell down and worshipped. Friends, John wept at the thought of a world without one worthy to usher in the plan and purpose of God. He he wept at the thought of a world without Jesus Christ but now he, he ends worshiping along with every creature in heaven and on earth because there is one and one alone who is worthy. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah and he is the lamb that was slain. And as we end today, we're gonna just go back into a song in a few moments. I just wanna leave, with all of that in mind, I wanna leave one verse with you and it's from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse eight. It's such a simple verse, but it is a verse I have done my utmost to live my life upon. And I want to share it with you because I believe it carries something of God's heart for us as we go. And Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. That's my exhortation to you as Paul exhorted Timothy. I want to encourage us all, friends, as we leave this place, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus Through every victory and through every heartache, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, he says to Timothy, raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. Tyron spoke of the kingdom being an upside down kingdom. In the world, death follows life. In the kingdom, life follows death if you and I want to live with the supernatural resurrection life that we want to live with, that we desire to experience, friends, it requires a death. It requires a laying down of everything, of all of our plans and all of our dreams and all of the things we think we can do for God. Friends, what is a dollar? Why do we hold on? And I say say this to myself as much as to each of you. We hold on to things. We can't take dollars with us. We can't take anything with us, friends. We lay it down. Remember Jesus Christ, Paul writes, raised from the dead, descended from David. God gave a promise. That there would be one day a Messiah seated on the throne of David. But for generation after generation, there was evil king after evil king after evil king. But friends, you need to hear this. God is faithful. God is faithful his promises will come to pass and as you are seated here tonight about to leave from this place knowing that God has spoken to you friends I want to encourage you God is faithful remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from David and then he says this this is my gospel Let that be our gospel as we go out. Let that be our gospel as we go into the world. Let us tell the world of Jesus Christ who defeated death, who defeated sin, who defeated Satan, who calls people back into relationship with the Father simply through faith in Him and through repentance by grace. Friends, we get to preach that, a God who is faithful, whose promises will come to pass.